0: Welcome to The New Era by Web3 Connect. We're helping you break barriers and build brands in Web3, the next generation of internet. Hey everyone, welcome back to Web3, The New Era. We have a special two part episode for you all where we are interviewing Ronan, one of the founders of Psychopomp Comics an up-and-coming comic studio that is building a bridge between the existing in-real-life comic industry with NFT collecting. They plan to provide free digital versions of their comic books, build a community around their storytelling that will attract both traditional comic enthusiasts and Web3 goers alike, create a limited number of high quality physical copies, and drop NFT collections alongside each title as collectibles, similar to buying an authentic figurine of your favorite superhero that ends up being worth thousands of dollars 10 to 15 years down the line. In part 1 today, listen in to hear Ronin talk about how Psychopomp Comics is flipping the comic industry on its head with a digital-first strategy. How NFTs provide financial opportunities for artists and creators far beyond what they'd traditionally be paid working for behemoth comic studios like DC or Marvel. Their unique approach of using a small boutique one-of-one art collection to reward early holders and get direct feedback from a council of community members and their ambitions to innovate how readers interact with digital comics. If you'd like to hear the second half of Ronan's interview alongside some internal reflections and conversation among Noland and myself, then you'll have to stick around for part two dropping next week. But with that, let's get into part one of this interview. All right, and we are live. So today we have Ronan here with us, who is the founder of Psychopomp Comics, which is a company bridging the world to Web3 with comics and collectibles. So I won't get too much into it. I will pass it over to you, Ronan, to introduce yourself a bit.
1: Thank you so much, Aurora. Yes, I am uh, Ronan at Ronan Rosewater. I call myself the chief Wagmi officer over at Psychopomp Comics, just to kind of align that, that Web3 ethos into the uh, title. But yeah, I've um, found myself in uh, the Web3 space since late last year, probably uh, September-ish of last year, so it's almost coming up on a year I've been uh, slanging JPEGs or at least deep into Web3, <laughs> watching it and, and following the space. But um, we've assembled a team together to, to create this idea of uh, a Web3 comic studio, and that's what Psychopomp Comics is. But before then, I um, was a and still am really, a business analyst with a, an e-commerce business. i uh, been doing uh, e-commerce work for a good number of years and you know, found this whole NFT space to be an exciting new market that opens up a ton of possibilities in ways for creatives to just really just open up new worlds, to get their stuff out there and be compensated for it without gatekeepers. So that kind of thing really excited me, and I've been kind of hoping Build something ever since then in this space, and meanwhile doing Twitter Spaces with one-on-one artists and things like that on the on the way. So it's been a really fun ride so far. Wait, that's a
2: lot on your plate, and you said you're also doing Web three e-commerce. Are you still doing that?
1: Sorry, uh, just regular e-commerce, like I guess old-school Web two. Sorry, that's <laughs> yeah. what what? that was like the default
2: that I said that. I realized how stupid I sounded <laughs> when I said that. Do you mind if I ask what you sell?
1: I work for like a, a pretty small business, but we sell kind of a few different niche products, everything from sporting goods to like kitchen appliances, like small kitchen appliances and utensils and uh, even toys in the fourth quarter, especially sell a ton of toys. Interesting. The- yeah, I kind of work in, with like building the tools to help do it and optimize, you know, all kinds of listings and, and help um, market brands and things like that
2: uh i was gonna say i didn't see much relevance and then you said that and i'm like oh uh, yeah that connects to web3 quite a bit listings and marketing and sell out and i don't want to say pump and dump and rug or whatever but like <laughs> listings and listings and selling out definitely really matter
1: oh yeah absolutely yeah and it's a lot of um you know optimization so i'm in there getting into the data figuring out you know how we can make things better and uh yeah i think To just like working in small teams kind of helps prepare you for doing an NFT collection or NFT projects in general, too.
0: Coming from e-commerce, I know you also have an MBA with a specialization in data analytics. Like, how did you get here in the NFT space? I know you mentioned you joined back in September, but did a friend tell you about it? Like, where did your NFT journey begin?
1: Okay, yeah. So it's kind of funny. I think I remember I was, I was at work and somebody was like, Hey, have you guys heard about this Top Shot thing going off? This is like February 2021. And uh, Top Shot being the basketball NFT kind of dealio. And, uh, you know, like little gifts of like LeBron James going for thousands and thousands of dollars. And I was like, What is this? Can you just like watch the gif elsewhere? You know, I didn't get it. I, did, I just thought it was like a joke or something. And I'd been in crypto for, a little bit, like the previous year I'd gotten into some small plays in in Bitcoin and um, Ethereum. And um, yeah, anyway, I was like, I don't really get it, whatever, this seems like a scam. And then a little bit later, I saw another article on this, like a 12 year old boy who did uh, weird whales on Ethereum and made like hundreds of thousands of dollars on minting those NFTs. And I was like, okay. That's it. I got to at least figure out what is going on in the space, what this means. I know it's connected to crypto. Got to figure it out. So I kind of just did a deep dive and I was like, what is this technology? What is this thing? Originally, just to be like, I'm going to like see about if, if there's a place for me to make some money in here, to be honest. And once I started you know, devouring some content on it, I really just drank the Kool-Aid. And I was like, no, I'm not going to be this like mercenary in this space. I'm here because I believe in the technology. I believe in what it opens up for, for creatives, like I've said before. And it really just was like, cool. I, I do want to make something in this space, but I also am just like fully gung ho about what it means to be web three, what NFTs open up in terms of opportunities for people. What does it mean to be web three to you? Yeah. It means wag me, right? It means wag me vibes. <laughs> it, means, um, it means the opportunity to, to create something without a gatekeeper and to take out middlemen, to, to open up a space where, where people can, can build together and that can create wholly new businesses or wholly new, even just art, anything uh, from these NFTs and not have to give, if you're an artist, 50% to a studio or a gallery rather. You know, it just, it's a pure space right now. And it's a space that allows so many opportunities that are just endless that it's really exciting.
2: It really is exciting. It's funny because people kind of go on and on about this whole decentralization thing. And this gets into like theory and this isn't really like as relevant to us, but it's just funny to see all these like decentralization ethos. And yet everyone wants Magic Eden to step in and start vetting these projects. And it's that whole like creator, like launchpad responsibility versus like mentor user accountability as well. So it's... that's a weird conversation that I still think we haven't sorted out yet and probably not even close. But tell us about your company, Psychopomp Comics. Can get into specifics about different components of what you're creating. But like at a high level, what do you guys do? What gap are you filling in the market? And how are you trying to pro- provide value uh, for your consumers?
1: 100%. So Psychopomp Comics, the thesis there is that the old world kind of legacy comic industry is like all publishing is still kind of trying to build this moat around physical distribution channels and so they're kind of charging a lot for digital in most cases digital versions of of comics digital you know books that kind of thing basically just because they don't want to give it away for free or for super cheap even though it, you know, once it's it's printed, it's much more affordable to do the digital because they're trying to protect their industry of printing physical books and, and sending them out. And, and not only that, but just like comics in general has been super top heavy for years and years. There's two big studios we all know, Marvel DC, and then there's a few other ones out there that have made a successful niche for themselves. And most of the public doesn't know much about them unless they're really into comics. And on top of that, uh, we, we're thinking about NFTs and about things we like and about things around NFTs and Web3 that align with current businesses. So when you think about NFTs, it's like art, culture, intellectual property. Those things are like the crossroads of what comics are, right? It's visual storytelling with art, it's culture through that story and, and the characters. And then it's also just the intellectual property. And, and the valuable thing in comics isn't printing a book and selling it for a few bucks. The valuable thing in comics is the intellectual property behind the characters. And that's why you know, Disney spent a kajillion dollars buying Marvel rights and then making you know Disneyland rides based on them and, th- and th- selling a bunch of their stuff. It's because that the value is in the intellectual property. And so we thought, well, if it's cheap to distribute digitally and we're probably not going to go out and compete on printing a few dollar comic issues, what we're going to do is we're going to do free digital comics of um, professional style comics that we're we're making in house with an actual novelist writing the stories and a really great artist doing our first comic at least that um, has done work for HBO max and adult swim and things like that. So the idea was uh, we'll, we'll do these digital comics. We'll make them free and we'll try to harness all the value in the IP in the NFTs and go out and get that story in front of as many eyeballs as possible. We'll find other ways to, uh, to get some streams of revenue in as well. But the digital comic will be free on our website, on our custom e-reader that we're, we're building. And meanwhile, the people that buy into our NFT collection, our generative collection that we'll do... It's like what we're hoping it is, is Game of Thrones did like a collection of White Walkers, right? Before season one started. That's kind of like what we hope this ends up being, is we get that IP in as many mediums as possible. And it just grows the value for the people that held early, who believed early in Psychopomp comics. And that's where the Wagme vibes comes in, right? They're going to gain value where we gain value.
0: Something you mentioned at the very beginning there, kind of stuck with me you talked about the comic industry wanting to kind of preserve their business of physically printing and there is an aspect of that that is very much ingrained in like culture right you don't want to get rid of physicals because it's history so when you're creating and you're dropping these titles of nfts and collectibles and you're giving people access to comics digitally it kind of reminded me of like I don't know if you know that book. I had to read it in in high school, Fahrenheit 451, where like books are outlawed and the government was essentially burning any books that were found. And it just reminded me of that kind of dystopian type concept of, you know, we are very much in a digital space and we're only moving more deeply into that. So at what point will really all reading material become digital? And is that something that we should try to preserve?
1: First of all, I love the Fahrenheit 451 Ray Bradbury. Good, solid reference. Um, But yeah, so the way we view this is the way we consume media has been more digital. But we like physical things. We like to collect things. And and obviously, we're acutely aware of this as people collecting digital JPEGs and and things like that. But we also still like physical things. A lot of artists, for instance, in the one-on-one space in Solana, do well being like, oh, if my auction gets to a certain point, I'll send you a physical version of this artwork. So like the, I'm not saying, you know I don't, I don't think many of us at this point think that physical is just like gone. So what we're going to do is we think that the digital space is where people are going to consume a lot of their comics. They're going to run through a ton of comics and read a bunch of stories. The ones they fall in love with, they're gonna go and collect a physical version of that and put it on their bookshelf. And that physical version better be pretty. It better be something that you you know show your friends. You want to put it on your coffee table, that kind of thing. So, once we've done our first title, for instance, will be five issues of around twenty five ish pages uh, comic books. We put all those together and we have a hundred twenty five page graphic novel and then we print that in a very high quality almost like it's a piece of art it's an artifact and we sell that itself as a, at a slightly higher price point than you know what you would see for your basic kind of cheap you know trade or paperback or anything like that because it is a physical collectible that that people are going to want so we're trying to get out of that intermediate marketplace that old kind of legacy place of having these Mass-produced paper pieces that we're not going to again compete on price. And do you take a chance on some random, you know, comic book company, or do you go with like your regular Marvel, DC, Dark Horse comics for the same price point? So that's kind of um, the way we're viewing this. Is is we are going to still print? We're just going to print it at the end of our five issue initial run and make a really nice copy and charge a little bit more for it because it is a is an artifact, a collectible and a piece of art.
2: I love that approach. I'm curious, could you talk a little bit more about the origin story? How did you come up with uh, Psycho Pop Comics and kind of get everything started? How did you realize that there is kind of a need for more storytelling and IP? I don't know how much is going on within the ETH space, but I certainly don't see it that much in the Solana ecosystem.
1: Yeah, so initially what happened was you know, it kind of came up with like some weird idea to do super basic like like robots as an NFT collection and, and trying to think of like ways we could have fun and, and just do something cool. And it quickly like our discussions evolved into comics right away. You know, a few of us on the team are, I wouldn't say fanatical comics consumers, but have always had an acute appreciation for comics and in um, the, the medium. And it became like, well, you know, let's look at this as a way that we could try to first of all bridge people over to web web3 and that has to be first and foremost a cultural kind of on-ramp and that's what we've seen in, with NFTs in general how many people came to crypto in some way or another because of something they saw in NFTs whether it was an opportunity to sell their own art or whether it was you know they saw some kind of like board ape type collection to be like a card collecting thing that they did when they were in high school or something like that, and they thought that it was cool. So that like cultural on ramp to us was like really significant in terms of comics being a way to to reach people. And I don't remember exactly where the idea came up with that exact thing, but once we did, once we came up with this, it just started like catching a lot of momentum in our in our brainstorming sessions, and we're just like. And we could do this and think about all the ways we can utilize the art in the comic books and, and you know, the ways we can do variant covers and drop it to our, our holders. And, and the ideas just started spilling out. And so we knew um, we were on the right track. But in terms of like Psychopomp itself, the creation of that was, or the naming of it, I should say, the idea of, of all that kind of branding. We thought of, uh, we you know, did some heavy, like, what's a cool name, like Wikipedia type deep dives of, of like (laughs) random thoughts and names and somewhere along the line, we came up with psychopomp. So a psychopomp is a, a soul guide, if you will, to the underworld or to another realm. And a psychopomp is just the idea that exists across all kinds of cultures. So there's always some, uh, you know, ferryman taking you to the underworld, if you will. And we thought it sounded pretty cool. And we also thought of it as a metaphor. If we really think we're going to help bridge regular comic book enthusiasts into kind of the Web3 world through digital collectibles and storytelling, then you could see us as a psychopomp to the, the normie spirit coming into Web3. So there was that angle. And then there was also the angle of just psychopomp in a way that we are leading you into these new worlds, through storytelling in general and yeah we've run with that name and now we're doing things off of that for instance i mentioned the ferryman from uh, greek mythology charon we're doing like art collections based on some of those cultural references to psychopomps or like the grim reaper for instance is a psychopomp so yeah it it has a ton you can do with it it's fun wait have you seen uh, a endgame I, I actually have not
2: <laughs> you haven't I, have not. <laughs> I might be talking out of my ass here but i'm pretty sure i'm right on this there is a psychopomp in like the marvel cinematic universe whose name is ronin so i just thought it was really funny that your name was ronin yeah, i don't think you can
1: see it though that's too funny yeah there is a ronin with an a uh um, yeah Ronin with is. an a <laughs> and he's okay. no that's funny yeah that just shows Uh, how on the right path we are when those coincidences align in a way to to create meaning.
0: (laughs) Based off of the first 20 minutes of this conversation, it's very clear how passionate you are about this idea and about just comics and bridging that sort of the two worlds of Web 2 and Web 3. And one of the things I think about often is the project teams behind the scenes, right? Who are they? What have they done in their past? What kind of makes them qualified, right, for people to be throwing potentially millions, you know, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars at them because they have this great idea and they want to execute this idea. And so I went on your Discord and it was so easy to find information about you and your team. Like it was one of the first posts that I saw. Like, you know, you have background in e-commerce, MBA with a specialization in data analytics. Your lore masters, you know, a traditionally published novelist and Barry Award nominee. You have your comics artist who has clients that include HBO, Adult Swim, Universal Studios, and more. I'm not going to go into everybody's background, but I love how you had that so easily accessible. I'm curious how you all sort of found each other. Like, I think you maybe have like five to seven like core people on your team right now. How many of those people did you know in real life versus people you kind of pulled in from meeting them in the Web3 space?
1: So serendipitously, four of us know each other in real life. You have either worked with each other or um, have been friends or, yeah, just know each other in real life from one way or another. And so the only one we didn't know was our artist, Logan Carroll. And so that was like a, a long process to find an artist that we felt was qualified, that was not like, no, NFTs are weird and bad and they're the devil and I don't want to touch them. (laughs) And uh, that, you know, felt interested in doing it, but that also we felt was qualified. So Logan was like a long search to find him and he's been amazing. He's also just a great person to work with. He's totally got us from the beginning, but yeah, luckily enough, you know, through e-commerce you work with a lot of devs and I knew a couple of them that I really liked that I really wanted to work with and then uh, happened to know Spencer, the, the author, and he has a pretty rad origin story. Honestly, if we're talking like comic books, heroes, this dude was like Navy intelligence officer, like on submarines in the cold war, a Russian linguist. And he's like a crime analyst And he also, oh, he's written, like, a whole series of traditionally published crime novels that have received a lot of, uh, yeah, acclaim. And in the meantime, he also is, like, a huge sci-fi fantasy nerd. And so it just kind of was, like, a perfect match there. (laughs)
0: I'm curious, were you the one who rallied everybody together and stacked hands on NFTs or did anybody else on your current team, like were they in the space already or were you kind of the one to pitch that idea?
1: I brought both the devs into the space. Yeah, Spencer, he's been a a crypto OG for a long time. But, I, you know, we've been talking about NFTs for a while and he was aware of them and, and, you know, kind of knew about them. But I definitely drew him into you know a more active role in in joining communities and things like that and then logan the artist he had put up some one-on-one art on ethereum and had been talk, you know had been kind of dabbling but hadn't really given a ton of time to nfts but um you know he was aware of it and, and was a little bit into it and since we've been doing this he's like i'm gonna do a one of one collection on solana He's like looking at other opportunities out there too, like, you know, all this kind of stuff. And and we're going to hope to keep him on as a kind of long term like art director and and doing our collections and that kind of thing. So I I definitely uh, led some of these guys over here into Solana NFTs, Um, but it did not take too much explaining or, or arm turning or anything like that. Everyone kind of got it right away and was like, this is actually pretty, pretty rad, which is fun because, you know, if you, if you could talk to 10 people about NFTs who don't know much about it or anything about it, probably nine of them, unless you're really good at like explaining it in a way that the average person's going to get it. Probably nine of them are going to be like, okay, cool. I'm going to walk to the other side of the room now. And then maybe one of them is going to be like, okay, this is interesting. Let me tell me more. So it worked out really well. That all these guys were, were really into it from the get-go.
2: Well, it's interesting. I can kind of understand the public opinion of it, right? Where... You don't really want NFTs because why are you token gating something that should be public? So, for example, my thinking around your comic book IP and NFT collection is like, I wonder if you can build a strong and tight knit community around just the storytelling in the IP. And like I said, maybe it's just a thing, um, but in every project that I've been in, usually when they write lore, I take no interest in it. And maybe that's because I'm not a lore centric person, maybe because the NFT utility doesn't really revolve around the lore, but it's kind of an added thing. And I know my experience is limited there. So I'm I'm totally open to learning more, but I'm, I would like to be educated, I guess, on like the demand there for good storytelling and like what IP ownership can actually turn into.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think where we've been at in NFTs has been you know you jump in one you jump into a community maybe you get pretty involved in that community sometimes there's a lore sometimes there's not you know certain people get way more into the lore than others and that's fine but it's mostly you know been a, a speculative thing and a good place to meet people and have community but when we were devising our plan and our strategy and our idea it was like cool but the thing is for me at least when i join a community i'm like pretty involved in it for a while and then i'm like oh Here's another shiny object of something cool. And then I jump out of it and I go to the next thing. Um, And maybe I hold on to my NFT or maybe I sell it because I need liquidity. And when you think about communities in the legacy world, you know, pre NFTs, right? What is a more natural place to have a community of people that connect than over strong storytelling and characters? So there have been communities online for ages over different comic book stories alone, let alone different comic studios. So our thought was something with way more longevity is going to be something that's a more natural community where people are there for, you know, floor price go up. Sure. But a lot of those people maybe come in because they, they read the comic first or they saw the characters and, and fell in love with the idea first. And that is a much stronger way to build a long-term community where people are connecting with each other over more identity kind of factors and traits than, you know, we both have a sombrero on our pixelated monkey or something like that. So that was part, again, part of our thesis here. Now we're not token gating the story at all. We're trying to reach as many people as possible. So like you don't have to hold an NFT to read our story. To be clear, and I'm not saying that's what you're saying, but that's completely reverse of how we're looking at this. We want to get this in front of eyeballs. We're going to take our story to you know, every comic book blog and, and YouTuber and podcast, and we're going to take it to Comic-Cons, and we're going to try to tell normal people about it and say, hey, come read our stuff, because the more people that read our stuff, the more opportunities come for things like streaming services for the story. And more people that say, hey, I'm going to buy one of these NFTs and join this community because it's cool. And I, you know, want a digital collectible of the story that I really like. And then you have another strong community member. So that's kind of our idea. And, And I do agree with you that there's a lot of strong lore based NFTs where I maybe dabble in the lore, but don't even get too deep in it. But our hope is being a comic studio first who happens to sell digital collectibles to help us monetize that makes our community more lore first or uh, storytelling first and floor price go up as like, oh yeah, that's also something we want. Um, So, you know, we do want to court those regular D gens who are flipping NFTs and everything like that as well. So we will be trying to pack as much value into the NFTs as possible for instance, through these variant covers that we will drop to holders, which we can get into at some point. But yeah, the lore idea is, is that that's a much longer long-term community builder than just some kind of short-term utility or, or token that somebody gets and, and hoping that the floor price goes up.
2: Yeah, and unfortunately, that's most of the market that you're going to be attracting simply because those are the biggest contributors of the NFT market currently at least of like market participants and you kind of touched on this but I'll, I kind of just want to get like a holistic answer from you so why does an nft have a place here what's the unique value added that wouldn't be possible without the existing web3 infrastructure
1: yeah first of all again as, as i mentioned it's it's a way to harness the ip value and so think of any collectible and how You know, if you bought like a Funko figurine of of something that was limited early on and it blew up as a huge story, like, I don't know, Stranger Things or something. And that aspect of it is like the, the very basic version of why NFTs kind of make sense to this comic studio play. But on top of that, there is that opportunity we have to use NFTs more through technical means to keep bringing value to people. And so one of those ways is anyone who holds one of our PFPs that will drop for our first title will then be given variant covers from guest artists who are either Solana 101 artists or actual Marvel DC artists who will do kind of variant covers of each one of our issues. And then those variant covers, we will have a generative process to make it kind of quality uh, variable. Um, So basically that just means there's a rarity scale to it and it'll kind of mimic in real life collecting in that some of them will have, you know, like torn page on the cover, or some of them will have like a, a coffee mug ring on it. And then others will be mint condition and maybe signed special edition. And so obviously there will be a value scale to those collectibles that again mimics that in real life collectability of the value of your collectible comic book that you have based on the cover art and all kinds of other factors. And then on top of that, we will incorporate deflationary mechanisms to those collectible variant covers by, by burning some from the floor, because guess what, when you have comic books, sometimes, you know, your girlfriend throws them away because she's tired of you sitting in the corner reading comic books, or sometimes your mom throws them in the garbage or Sometimes your, you know, your boyfriend's dog pees on it or whatever happens, right? Those get destroyed over time. And so we're going to do that same thing with our kind of collectibles that come off of it. But there's so many opportunities with NFTs. So in real life events where those tokens, you know, gate your entrance to an event, that's something we're definitely looking at doing in the future as we build communities yeah, I mean, the way you can get creative with that actual NFT collectible to use other use cases that um, that add value to it uh, is really endless, and we don't see ourselves like, you know, stopping coming up with creative ways to utilize that technology in the in the future. It's only going to change and evolve, and we're only going to come up with cooler stuff to use with it.
0: So, I guess just to make sure I'm following here, the NFTs aren't going to necessarily be copies of the comic. Like, you know, you, you buy this NFT and now you have this 20-page comic book digitally that you can read. The NFTs, you're treating them as collectibles. So you're essentially looking to build a fan base around your comics, around your storytelling and lore. And you're using NFTs as an alternative or I guess addition to how somebody might treat a physical copy of a comic book like you like the comic you like the story you like the characters so you want to own it just because you're part of that community I guess what I'm trying to get at is that the NFT itself doesn't seem to have like a traditional aspect of utility tied to it it's more of just I'm a fan and I want to collect it
1: yes in in the short answer there's like a dog fight outside sorry (laughs) if that background noise is coming in here (laughs) so like We're very stubborn in the idea that our art and our storytelling is what our project is about. So we may add things to like questing for a token and and those kind of like experience driven types of utility that add to the the brand and the lore. But we are stubborn in the idea that like, we're going to give you a lot of art and a lot of cool stuff. And we're also going to make our mint price super low, which we haven't necessarily stated yet. And that is going to be because we do want to attract all different people. You know, something that's selling for five soul, you're going to expect it to have a ton going on. And honestly, most of the utility we get from a lot of these collections is hype. (laughs) We get hype and community, right? And then some of them actually are building something. We see our story and our art, as the main things that we want to focus on and, and build a community around that. But that's not meaning like you're only going to get like a PFP and, and have fun with that. There's so many ways that you can use the art from a comic book to provide value to those that purchased it for maybe something more like 30 bucks USD as opposed to something like you know $200. And that's a, an easier way to get somebody in from the street who doesn't know much about NFTs as well. And frankly, we don't feel like we need $2 million to start this company. So that was kind of all the reason why we felt like a low price point, uh, approachable price point NFT collection made sense, but will still bring a ton of value to our holders. And on top of that, we hope to bring enough volume that the other reason that I forgot to mention why NFTs made sense in this is because of the royalty structure and how that can long term be be passed along to our creatives. So sorry, I'm kind of pivoting this, this answer because I wanted to get this in there. One of the things traditionally, historically for comic books is that the people creating the comics tend to get screwed. You know, more recently, there's some that get royalties for sure. But they get royalties on something, you know, on the book selling, the, the units sold, maybe some other features and factors. But in the artists that I've talked to from Marvel, one told me that they sold some covers on Ethereum and they actually made more on that than 10 years of royalties they made with Marvel. <laughs> <What>? So <laughs>
2: Yeah, right? So, You're kidding. I know. But that's also ETH. Is that
1: ETH Bull Run or something? It might have been, but still. That's still insane. Insane, though. right? So those NFTs give us an opportunity to say, cool, this artist who's making our comic, we're going to pay you your normal comic book per page rate to create this comic. We're also going to pay you a percentage of the mint from when we actually sell our our initial NFT collection. And then on top of that, we give you a full share of of the royalties from secondary sales as well. And if things do well, and guess what? If that story gets like a Netflix deal or something like that long run, right? Or one of our comic book titles gets a Netflix or Hulu or whatever option, then the IP is only going to go up in value, meaning that there's going to be more volume on those NFTs and that those artists are actually going to get more in royalties from those secondary sales where the IP is harnessed. So sorry, I went on a totally different tangent, but...
0: (laughs) But an important tangent nonetheless, because I feel like there's kind of a split opinion on this. I hear some people saying, you know, the NFT space is revolutionary for artists because it's disintegrating the idea of what a starving artist means by giving creators the opportunity to make money in perpetuity off of their creations. But then on the flip side, you're seeing artists in a lot of cases not be paid as much as they should when it comes to, you know, creating art for projects. Like either getting a super flat fee up front or very small percentage of royalties, if that potentially not even a percentage of the mint. So you still see that population of people getting exploited, I think, in in a lot of places in Web3, although the underlying technology and just connection to IP does provide a lot of potential for them to thrive in the space. But I I just really appreciate how you guys are treating this and you're kind of treating your artists like partners. Like, you know, they created the art. Without the art, you can't have a comic. And really without the art, you can't have an NFT project at the end of the day. So they really should be getting as much benefit as, you know, the founders or other members of the team. So I love to see that that's a priority for you guys.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. I mean, when we first started in terms of just like our team we were like well none of this could be done without any one of us so like let's just do an even split type of deal and when we got to artists we were kind of like well you know like maybe they're not putting as much risk out there we're gonna guarantee them some money so like maybe we'll try to do something like a little bit upfront and then you get a big percentage of mint or whatever. But then it just kind of became like, this is just dumb. We don't need to bring in these like Web 2 ideas of these like certain roles being like worth less when in this particular instance, you know, especially the art for NFTs, you're not going to stop your scroll if there's some, you know, ugly looking JPEG there. You're only going to stop your scrolling and give a shit about the project if the art at least speaks to you a little bit or you know potentially somebody tells you about a project with a really cool idea behind it and you go and you don't even necessarily look at the art but for most of those people who are just like scrolling through twitter or wherever that art really has to stand out and for our project in particular where it's an art and story based project like the artist is in the end from the freelance payments and on top of the mint and everything, they're probably at least after mint gonna make more than the core team that first started <laughs> because we're paying the full rates, plus we're giving away, you know, a fair share of of the other side of the stuff. So it's just it makes sense to to where we wanna be somebody leading that space and in leading that charge. And as someone who's pretty involved in the one-of-one community, you know, that is the place where there's pure ability for, for artists without gatekeepers to, to go out and and sell their work and do great things, but it's also competitive. And so going out and doing more generative collections and and other kinds of projects like that is a really good way to supplement that, but also build networking and and communities. And so, you know, they shouldn't be taken advantage of during that time that they like, okay, I'll do your generative collection for, you know, 10 K while all the devs bring home like 250k or whatever.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I think it's clear that you and your team kind of have this unconventional but like admirable way of looking at your like quote unquote NFT project, although I feel like it's more of a business, it's more of like a company than a than a project, but you're building around community, you're building around your storyline and you're using NFTs as collectibles versus tying it to like quote-unquote, traditional utility in the space, like access to a tool or gatekeeping something. And I think that speaks towards your kind of mentality of, on your Discord, I saw something around your IP business pretending to be an NFT project, which I thought was funny. But first of all, I love the transparency there. I think we need more businesses like this who are kind of taking like kind of Web 2 concepts and Web 3-ifying them as methods of just getting more people from Web 2 interested in joining this space so that we can really start growing the ecosystem, bringing some fresh personalities in here, bringing some new money in here. And when I was kind of surfing through your Discord, I saw your very high-level plan. And you talked about, you know, step one is making professional comic books and distributing them. Step two is making NFTs that go with each of those titles, collaborating with major artists. Then you have step three, making the NFTs mimic in real life comic book collectibles. Step four, pitching stories to streaming services, hungry for original exclusive content. And then step five, just kind of producing two to four comic titles per year and repeat. So I'm curious, where are you currently in this process? I know you guys are in the infancy planning stages. You're, you're still working on your first title, I believe. But can you tell listeners just what you're doing right now and what's next?
1: Yeah, 100%. So right now, what we've been doing is we have our first issue of our first title. The art is basically done. We're going through and just fine-tuning some edits, changing a couple panels here or there. And we'll be going to um, mint a generative collection of that in a couple months because our idea is to actually launch that comic digitally first and get it out there for people to see and get it in front of normies to to fall in love with, hopefully, and bring them onto the space. So we'll try to do that in the next period of time. But we're also building that custom comic reader for our website because we do hope to innovate in the digital space in terms of how you interact with your comic book that you're reading digitally. As I'd stated before, most of the incumbents in that space, digital is thought of, but it's really a secondary thought. You produce the physical and then you go out and you make it digital, even though digital downloads and and sales have gone up like 77% or something like that since 2020. But again, they need to protect those distribution channels. So they build the comic for physical first. Well, we get the opportunity to say, well, we're going to build it for digital first. And we're going to try to innovate different ways where you're going to have more dynamic content in front of you and a more immersive way to enjoy your comic book. We're going to toy around with that and try to make it subtle at first and see where we can find a happy medium to provide panels that are maybe moving or some kind of audio experience we'll kind of see where we go with that so we're building that technology out right now we had a big thought to just make this product first we're not going to you know usually what people do if they're making a game or if they're going to make a comic book or whatever is to mint a collection and say thanks for the cash now in like a year and a half maybe we'll produce a product for you we wanted to go the opposite direction obviously comics are a lot cheaper to produce than games but they're not you know super cheap (laughs) they do take a lot of um, art and labor and then building the tools to be able to display them it's going to take a lot of capital. And so while we're producing this first issue called Seed of Cain, we are also doing a one-of-one auction collection. And this auction collection has pretty cool utility. So once a week, we do these PFPs that are auctioned off called Vanth. And a Vanth was, again, a play on a psychopomp. It was an old, like, kind of etruscan psychopomp character that's on tombstone art and things like that that would usher bodies to the to the afterlife and so we created this thing with uh, another artist called james o'reilly from australia who's a great great artist where we have these Vant are these kind of like spirit animals if you will that linger around and when people die they usher their spirit to the afterlife and those collections right now we're about halfway through a collection of 77 people who do win an auction actually get free generative mints for life from psychopomp comics titles so we were like you guys believe in this first before anybody else whenever we come out with a you know a thousand two thousand ten thousand piece collection from a new title you're going to get one for free at the very least and we're going to definitely work other perks into that for them and again, when you talk about two to four collections a year, eventually, you know, that's a, a nice little little perk for being early. But on top of that, they also get this kind of like extra access to us creating this thing. We use them kind of like a focus group of people who have great ideas, who can help us kind of determine which way we should go or something. We don't use it as like voting rights on a DAO where the word is final, but we more so just like hey, what do you think about this or this? Or, hey, we're going to show you this page of a comic early before anybody else has seen it. And so they get kind of extra access in community to this this comic book title. So they have kind of a hidden Discord channel and we have a Twitter group chat. And it's pretty crazy the people that have joined that collection from the get-go, it's been pretty popular with some amazing creators in the space between huge, huge one-on-one artists who have joined Vanth to major collection creators of other generative collections on Solana to just major, you know, collectors and people in this space. I mean, we've got like four Google members who run their own projects or whatever, who are holding Vanth one of ones. So those are the kind of the two big things we're doing right now as we lead to, you know, expanding this this comics book studio that we see as kind of a boutique style of scaling these NFT communities. You know, we think of Psychopomp Comics as like the Yuga Labs to like, what we're doing with like a combination of Yugo Labs and like Marvel Comics, of course, in our own special way, we're not going to match be those brands. We're going to be ourselves. But in thinking of how Psychopomp Comics connects to Seed of Cain and how the Seed of Cain community and the Vanth community, that's kind of how we see things.
2: Interesting. It sounds like there's a couple different moving pieces there. So can you just kind of clarify with one broad stroke for our listeners, what is Seed of Cain? What is Vanth? What is Psycho Pomp Comics?
1: Totally. So if Psychopomp Comics is Yugo Labs, only in the uh, analogy here, we're probably not going to be Yugo Labs immediately <laughs> in any other form, but um, we're producing Vanth as a small community where the holders of uh, the one-of-one PFP art auctions basically just form this, what we call the Vanth Council. And so Vanth is just this small community that is connected to psychopomp comics of, of collectors of these one-on-one PFPs of animals that are kind of cool and ethereal looking. And then Seed of Cain is our first title. So Seed of Cain is going to be a full comic book with five issues of 20 to 25 pages. And along with that, we're going to do a major collection PFP uh, generative mint based on the title. And Seed of Cain it's a like futuristic post-apocalyptic sci-fi story that'll be told through these five issues of kind of an AI getting loose and infecting all the other androids that populate our world and creating a, an android army and it's a story of a small group of civilians and military personnel f- working together to try to at least put together one last stand. So that's all I'll say about the the storyline, but um, Seed of Cain itself is it's going to be its own community, right? It's going to be a generative collection, like any other generative collection, where there's going to be a vibrant Discord community, and there will be ongoing support for that community forever. We're going to always produce materials, whether it be art or coming up with a new little like interactive storytelling ways to engage the community, or whether it be a second volume of issues that come out in the future to help bolster that community and that collection
2: that leads me to two questions two curiosities that i have one so i'm thinking of in my head and tell me if this is the wrong way to go about it but i'm imagining like okay let's imagine stranger things was purely a comic book collection each season it's its own volume whatever and like, I don't know, there are NFTs associated with it, and I get the one that's about 11. Well, and how do you make generative art around your different characters while keeping it unique? And then I also wonder if the market value of some of those characters will change directly on the story so what (laughs) now that i'm thinking and talking this through i'm wondering like okay how does the advance connect into this like do they decide how the story moves and if so i would wonder if they could just market manipulate and say make this character op as hell and i'm gonna stack my bags with that character and get very rich
0: All right guys that is all we have for you today make sure to follow ronin in psychopomp comics that's at r-o-n-i-n rosewater and at psychopomp comics with an x don't forget to come back next week for part two and if you'd like to see a specific guest on the podcast shoot us a dm and we'll try our best to get them on for you but otherwise we will see you on monday